Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your co-host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Wonderful himself, Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? Uh, wow. I feel uh, very honored that you would call me that. I'm doing well. Uh, we had, we've had we had a Mr. Awesome on the podcast before, so yes. I think I don't think I'm quite at that well, level. Well, it's close. It's close. <laughs> and how are you doing today? I, I'm, I'm surprisingly cheery. That's good. Yeah, it must be something. It's good. In the water. It's a nice change of pace from your <laughs> usual self. My usual miserable self. <laughs> <laughs> so, who is our guest today? That's what everybody wants to know. That's a really good question. Uh, I'm really, really excited to uh, bring on Mandy Morris onto the show. Um, she is a, a trained psychologist and an executive coach. Um, I, I just think it's going to be an awesome, awesome conversation. So, I'm just going to shut up and let's bring Mandy on. Let's do it. All right, Mandy Morris from Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, Mandy, we really appreciate you uh, joining us today. And uh, I mean, you and I have been uh, connected on LinkedIn for a while. Always appreciate your your positive energy. And we could go in a million different directions with this conversation. But I wanted to start off with maybe your backstory. You know, how how did you get to where you are today? Tell, Tell us and our viewers and listeners a little bit more about your story. Sure. Yeah. So um, I think it's always been kind of wired in me to be in the helping profession. Um, when I was a kid, I um, I was super into sports and and that was my life for a long time. And so I, I thought I would I'd become this like athletic trainer and I would help people, you know, with injuries out in the field and things like that. And um, and so and. and in high school, um, I went to a really small high school and they gave out like these senior superlatives every year. And I thought, my hope was that it would be something really cool, like best athlete or like best girl in this category at, you know, in science, whatever it was, but I got most caring. (laughs) And I remember being so pissed at the time. I was like, everyone's caring. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Um, but you know, fast forward, and I'm I'm in school and college, and um, I I started working at this like crisis uh, center where I would just help other women who were um, in need and in emotional crisis, uh, things like that. And I just fell in love with it. And at the time, I was um, in my own therapy, and I loved my therapist, and she helped me through a lot and things like that. And so I was kind of like, man, I, I probably need to rethink my profession. Um, and so. Um, at the time I, I did, I switched my major to psychology, um, you know, went on to get my master's. And since then, I really feel like my journey as a therapist has really begun in my adult life. Um, my colleague and I, one of the things that we um, always say to each other whenever we go through really hard things in life um, is that I'm tired of becoming a better therapist <laughs> uh, because it's these experiences um, have really, I think, helped me become who I am in in the field. I've been through, I was went through a really bad divorce with a man who is uh, diagnosed with a narcissistic personality. Been through some other traumas in my life and done my own work around it. So uh, my heart for helping people has always been there, um, and 
now so even more with some of the experiences I went through. And then in 2014, my colleague and I, we started Mosaic Counseling Group. So we started our own private practice because we wanted to have a space that was safe and for people who wanted to get help and had a homey feel. We didn't want to have this like doctor's office stuffy feel to it and um, found the perfect spot. And we've been really fortunate um, that since we opened in 2014, it's all been word of mouth and our business. Um, we have a good name in our community here. And so um, I'm one of the founders and clinical directors of Mosaic Counseling Group. That's an amazing backstory, Mandy. And we appreciate that for the context. I know Chris and I are, have even more questions, so uh, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> Mandy, thanks so much for letting us get to know you a little bit and, you know, pull behind the curtain and see yeah. that that history and, you know, why you do what you do, the, the, the most caring and, and empathetic. And I guess those are qualities now that you see as, as assets in what you do mm-hmm. and, and apply to, to helping people. So, the people that you help and what what interests me the most because uh, our podcast deals with business owners, right? Yep. So you do help business owners. I do. Can you pull back the curtain on that a little bit and kind of, you know, without obviously mentioning any specifics or industries or people, but what kind of issues are, are business owners struggling with? What are the mm-hmm. fears and insecurities and inadequacies that mm-hmm. they're struggling with? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And, and yes, um, I do a lot of um, corporate psychology and leadership therapy as well. And so, you know, if you, if you think about it, everyone is, has whatever struggles that they have, just because you go to work doesn't mean that those things go away. They now just come out in a different sort of work environment. Um, but specifically for for you know, leaders and business owners, there's that has its own unique pressures around it. Um, a lot of people in leadership, like they're the ones who have to have it all together for everyone else. It can be a really lonely position to be in. It's where um, anxiety rates go way up for business owners, CEOs, um, entrepreneurs. Um, you know, depression rates go way up, addiction rates can go way up. And so, you know, I think a big part of what I do in the leadership realm is, you know, helping people understand what their leadership identity is. You know, what what is your story, you know, that got you to where you are? And are you functioning as leader the way you want to be? because uh, we operate out of our belief systems. So, um, and a lot of people don't even know what those are or if they're, if that's a positive or a negative. But for instance, let's say you have a leader who's a micromanager who leads out of scarcity, mindset, or fear. You know, that's probably from past experiences that wired them to be that way. And it's helped them survive, but now it's causing all these issues within their company organization, as an example. Um, Or one of the things that I'm really passionate about is helping organizations create psychologically safe environments so that the company can be more inclusive, so that there's a culture where it's normal to be vulnerable and people can make it emotionally, leaders can make it emotionally safe for themselves and for their employees to be able to, you know, share their frustrations or their concerns or 
whatever it may be. Um, but just, you know, to kind of give some generalizations, those are some of the big things. And I think especially the people who are the presidents, the head leadership roles, um, they're the ones who put the most pressure on themselves, who carry the most burden of responsibility. Um, and so that's where I can come in and help them kind of sort through that. So they're leading with less stress and with more passion. So Mandy, with the pandemic happening now, what has been your observation about the effect on entrepreneurs and business leaders on their mental health? Mm. So mental health issues are at an all-time high. I mean, mental health is something that everyone deals with um, at any point in time. And mental health is different than mental illness. Um, we all have to keep up on our mental health. Since the pandemic happened, though, you know, obviously we're experiencing more isolation, more uncertainty. Um, I think as a business owner in particular, the ones who have struggled the most are the ones who have not created a culture already within their work environment that knows how to adapt to change. They're the ones that stay rigid in the way things have to be and who don't facilitate, you know, change or doing things different or, or always trying to grow those are the organizations that have had the hardest time around that because their, res their resiliency levels are lower. Um, and so with that, you know, you're seeing a lot of companies shut down. You're seeing a lot of um, leaders and organizations having to let people go because they, they can't keep up with all of it um, financially or whatnot. And on top of that, um, you know, when we're in, unprecedented events that we've never been through before, uh, you know, leaders in general are suffering from more anxiety than they ever have. And when, when that happens, it's, it's hard to be at your best. Um, and so I think that this has shown a lot of organizations. Uh, well, my hope is that it can be a reflection of how well do we adapt at change and how effective is our resiliency? Man, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about and, you know, when we we're preparing for this conversation was, um, you know, how you would deal with a skeptical business owner. I mean, Christian and I see the value in what you do, but let's say you're talking to a business owner, an executive, how do you make uh, he or she see the, the business value of what you do? Because yeah. often, even with what we do with cybersecurity, yeah. they say, well, where's the value in that? Right. So I'm curious to your thoughts. Sure, yeah. yeah. So we are feeling beings that think. A lot of people think it's the other way around, but it's not true. Um, from a neuroscience standpoint, our emotions drive us. Um, and when that isn't um, being worked on, isn't being kept up with, much like our physical health, things like that, that it's going to affect us cognitively. And one of the examples that I give is, um, let's say, Let's say, I don't know if either of you have children, but let's say your kid uh, one morning wakes up, it's time to go to school. And let's say they wake up and they're like, I'm having so much anxiety. I'm super stressed. I feel worthless. I feel like, you know, all these things, but it's time for them to go to school. Typically parents might be like, oh my goodness. Well, let's, let's talk about it in the car ride to school. Or when you get home from school, we'll deal with it later. Now the kid is sitting in class doesn't care at all about which civilization he's learning about or what the teacher is saying about that science or whatever, his productivity isn't going to happen because his emotional needs haven't been met. 
And it's the same type of thing for for leaders, for business owners, for, you know, even being the leader of your family. It doesn't even have to be business related, but it often is, is that if you're not psychologically well or your organization, there isn't psychological safety around there and good education around that, then productivity isn't going to be at its highest potential that it could be. You know, if you have workers who stay in states of frustration and stress and you have a leader who does not know how to make that okay for them or for them to be able to come in, into their open door policy and, and talk about it, then you're not going to have your most productive employees because cognitively at this point you're offline. Um, and so having an environment where it's emotionally safe and psychologically safe actually makes us more productive and it allows us to actually be more creative. So a follow-up question then with, with being feeling beings that think, what are our feelings telling us mm-hmm. when we're feeling anxious or depressed or the, the things that you listed? Um, what, are, what are the feelings indicating? Yeah. So our emotions, like in the simplest form, they're just internal signals that go off to whatever's happening in our environment or within us personally, internally, externally, or whatever. And our, we're never wrong for how we feel. I encourage people to always become like the little inner curious scientist of yourself. You want to, you don't want to put judgment to emotions. You want to notice them. And all of our all the things we feel are indicators of things that we might need. And this is where like emotional intelligence comes into place. Um, A lot, most adults don't have language for how they feel because they've never been taught it. On average, when you ask a person what feelings they have throughout a week or, you know, or a month or whatever, usually can only name about three happy, sad, mad. (laughs) When in reality, we have tons of emotions about things, whether we realize it or not. One of the most difficult ones for us to deal with as human beings is disappointment. You know, And so all that to say is when you take a step back and you can observe and acknowledge how you feel about something, then you can consider, well, what is it that I need? So I'm anxious. You know, Anxiety is connected to uncertainty. It's connected to fear. What do I, is there anything I can do to feel more secure or to release this energy from the anxiety. You know, like let's say I'm mad about something. Anger is usually associated with a boundary that needs to be set or an injustice that's happened. And so from there you can, all right, well, what is the injustice or what is the boundary that needs to be set? You know, and and you can go on and on and on about what different feelings mean, but all of them go back to a need that you have and and it's trying to tell you something. And from there, it's just, it's moving through the stress response. You know, you have an emotional reaction to something, to your employee, to your boss, you know, you've got to do something with that energy. Otherwise it's going to stay stored in your body. And then that's when people, you know, can start to feel it physically and, or get sick or lots of muscle, muscle tension or, you know, headaches or shingles even. I mean, all these are stress responses to emotions. It's really interesting to hear you saying about the acknowledgement and uh, observing those feelings. Uh, my my son uh, started preschool this past week, and on the first day, and he was super anxious. He was crying, and the teachers sat down with him 
and they said it's okay to feel what you're feeling and and you know and they was you know they they talked to him about acknowledging and observing it and and i just thought that was incredible because back to your point I think back on my own childhood, I sure as heck was never taught that. Right. Right. <laughs> Preschool, we were put in a corner and yeah. told to shut up kind yeah. of thing. Right? Yeah. So it, it it's, gives me hope that future generations are going to be yeah. in a much more mentally yeah. resilient state. Yeah. Than I, I feel like you described every day of my school experience. <laughs> when you said, right? send your kid off to school. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Not to blame thing. my parents. I just feel like that's what I lived. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, and it's the same thing with leaders. I talked with them. I was like, you can either deal with your, your employees, quote unquote, bad behaviors. And you can have the conversation about behavior over and over. And spend all that time doing that, or you can meet people on the, you know, on the front end on an emotional level and, and discuss what's going on internally with them, check in about how they're doing, how they're feeling, things like that. You know, what was the feelings behind the behavior that you don't like that's happening or whatever. And while that feels like more energy for a lot of people, and that feels kind of scary and like more work you're going to spend less time over the course of the time uh, correcting the issue when you deal with it on an emotional vulnerable level versus just trying to fix bad behavior. Right. Uh, that's, I that's, love that. Yeah, that's such amazing insight. I, I have one more quick question before mm-hmm. we let you go. Um, I have one more too. Oh, yeah, so I'll be, I'll be real quick then. Um, in the concept of cybersecurity, and don't worry, this is not a technical question. It's actually good that your background's in psychology because I would like a non-technical analysis of this. Um, you know, there's, a, there's a, always this view of how do we change bad security behavior within mm. an organization? You know, there's always people who are clicking on links that they shouldn't or downloading attachments that they shouldn't. No matter what the security team says, you know, do this, don't do that, people, you know, basically tune out. How do we go about having that proper psychological change, you know, again, through the lens of a psychologist, not from a technical means, because clearly the security people are screwing it up. Right. <laughs> How can we best approach that behavioral change? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. So, you know, thoughts, if you think of like a triangle, thoughts, feelings, and behavior are all connected to each other. So whatever that behavior response is, is connected to, you know, internal thoughts and feelings that are happening for whatever reason, there seems to be some payoff for people to continue to click on the the things that they shouldn't click on. And, and so, you know, I think um, in terms of if, if that's happening within the company, sort of what, what is being communicated about why that shouldn't happen? What, you know, are you just telling them, no, they shouldn't do that. Or are you giving real, meaty information and context and understanding, you know, the more clear you can be about things, the kinder it is, even if it's difficult things to say, you know, um, or what has been, I guess a a question I would want to know is why, why do you think people have become so conditioned to click on it anyway? You know, because that's a conditioned response. And so from there, you have to create new new ways of conditioning them not to, right? And and it could just be something like it's a bad habit, but it's still been conditioned in that way. And so I think taking a step back and from like a leadership standpoint and looking at what has enabled this to continue to happen 
And how can we begin to break that cycle on our end and reinforce new positive behavior on the other end? Um, and so I don't know specifically what that would look like technically, but conceptually that would kind of be like the first steps around that. That's the best answer I've ever heard to that. Lovely. <laughs> I feel like all the cybersecurity stuff for me and all the business stuff, I just have laid it down and I'm completely disarmed and I'm in a totally different place. Maybe I'm back in, uh, back in high school or something. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm still, and we, I would love a long form answer, but we just have like a minute or two sure, here. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about pain and trauma, mm. those two things. And I feel like, you know, in my experience, um, Sometimes we act the way we do or suffer through things because of wounds on the mm -hmm. inside of us. Yeah. Um, I would love to, to hear your perspective mm -hmm. on that, the, the relationship between pain and wounds and, you know, psychological and emotional issues. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything we go through in life um, affects us. The, so 95% of our brain is subconscious, long-term memory. What we're doing right now this is 5% of our brain. <laughs> and so when we go through traumatic events and experiences, if that hasn't been reprocessed through and, and healed and filed away in the correct part of the brain, it's going to continue to show up in the present in various ways. Um, there's a, a book called The Body Keeps Score, and it very much talks about how um, unresolved and unhealed trauma stays stored in our body. And literally we get physical pains from traumatic experiences and memories and, and things like that. Um, and so they're very much deeply connected um, from most people who haven't been through trauma healing and trauma work. And that's one of my specialties is I'm an EMDR clinician, which um, essentially is a trauma treatment. And in this type of therapy, um, you know, we help the brain heal itself by processing those events so it can be filed away in the correct part of the brain so that when you think back on it, it doesn't feel so emotionally distressing anymore. It just kind of feels like fact. Um, and from there, all that pain doesn't continue to come up. Um, but unless those things are dealt with, it will continue to come up because it, of how it creates those neural pathways in our mind. And then that is connected to our body. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. I could go on and on about, but I'm trying no, not to. <laughs> I, I, and, and maybe we should do another episode where we do a deeper dive into that. But, oh, I love you know, that. That's great, Mandy. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mandy, that, that was an absolutely incredibly um, wisdom-packed episode. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Christian and I thoroughly enjoy that conversation. Like Christian said, we'll definitely do a part two with you. But thank oh, you so I much for joining that. us on the show. Oh, I would love that. It would be show. an honor. <laughs> you're you're the best. Thank you again for joining us today. Thanks thank so much, you. Mandy. Awesome. And Christian and I will be uh, right back to wrap up today's episode. That was honestly one of the most interesting conversations I think that we've had on the podcast. I mean, from the moment she started talking to the end, I mean, each word was very well articulated and very impactful. I'm mm -hmm. very curious on what, what your key takeaways were. Yeah, for me, that was a very heart level conversation yeah. that pulled me into a different place. Yeah. Kind of felt like I was in a counseling session myself. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the theme that kept coming up over and over for mm -hmm. me, uh, for entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. is anxiety. Yeah. <clears throat> it seems like that uh, it's at an all time high with yeah. the pandemic. And that's that's what entrepreneurs and business leaders are dealing with. Yeah. But 
she talked about a solution mm -hmm. you know the companies that and the leaders that uh, have a culture that adapts well to change yeah those are the the business leaders that are doing well at yeah. this time absolutely and uh, this is definitely that type of episode that i would listen to multiple For times because sure. there was so much wisdom uh, that Mandy imparted on us and we're very grateful that she spent some time um, with us today and as always we're very grateful to you our loyal listeners and viewers for spending time of your day with us as well um, and if you're worried about missing you know, f future episodes please do uh, subscribe to the Cybersecurity Matters podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and or on our YouTube page that way you'll never miss a new episode but until next time be well be safe and we look forward to seeing you again on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast see you next week